Today's guest on the PA Football Story podcast is former Wilson High School quarterback, Chad Henney. A four-year starter at both Wilson and the University of Michigan, Henney threw for over 7,000 yards and 74 touchdowns in his high school career. At Michigan, Chad threw for nearly 10,000 yards and 87 touchdowns. Henney was drafted in the second round of the 2008 NFL Draft by the Miami Dolphins and has played in the NFL for 14 years, including stints with the Jaguars and Chiefs. And now, your host, Chad Brubaker. All right, good morning, Chad. Thanks for coming on. Sure, thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, we'll just get right into it. You know, you were, uh, for those people who don't know, um, you were in eighth grade and probably had never played quarterback at that point in your life I think is that correct yeah so pretty much my whole life I was a running back and linebacker until high school so for those people who don't know again try to provide some background um, Chad came into ninth grade and really had worked that's not completely true because after your eighth grade year you worked a lot with coach Contafio um, on quarterback skills in the off season that's right yeah so uh once um everything unveiled and uh i mean pretty much how it came into light was we have two junior highs at wilson uh i was one of the single backs we threw a halfback pass and contafio <laughs> contafio was in the stands uh watching the game and i wouldn't i don't know if it was the next morning but it was pretty much it was pretty close after it and he said, hey, we're going to start uh, throwing. And Ian Firestone was at the high school at the time. And he's like, you're going to throw with Ian. So I would show up 7 a.m. in the morning, uh, come out, throw. And, um, you know, Contafio liked what he saw. And he said, well, we're going to convert you into quarterback and see what we can do next year. Let me ask you this question. Did you ever see yourself when at that point, and that's a long time ago, I know, but did you ever think about playing quarterback or were you just like satisfied being a running back, you know, getting more tough, you know, getting more carries, put it that way. No, I, I felt like I was going to be the next Larry Zonka. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed being um, a running back. Uh, uh, I love, I love to hit the hitting fact, uh, you know, playing defense. But I mean, that's just how I was raised. I mean, it's just what I knew. I didn't know anything different. And I think my dad was a little skeptic uh, at first. He was yeah. like, what, what do you mean quarterback? He's like, they're kind of, you know, soft guys out there. And, you know, we're, we're not turning into that. And I was like, I don't know. This is an opportunity. We'll, we'll see what we can do. For anyone who um, doesn't know who uh, Chad's father is, he's a pretty big dude himself. So, and, and certainly I can see where he's coming from. Uh, in terms of wanting you to be a running back, maybe at that point, it, it all worked out. So yeah. uh, one of the funny things, and I don't know if you know this, but I was a big proponent of, you know, we had a lot of coaching staff conversations and I was a big proponent of uh, you, you getting uh, reps right away because, you know, as a wide receivers coach, I wanted Ian, <laughs> I wanted Ian sure. a wide receiver. I thought, I was like, man, I'm going to be a pretty uh, poor wide receivers coach if we don't throw Ian into the mix. But um, so I was I was certainly biased on that. But, you know, you came into your ninth grade year um, and uh, we pulled the trigger. Um, coach Contafio pulled the trigger on it and the rest is history. So we'll try to delve into that a little bit. Um, you know, as a freshman, um, you got thrown into the fire. And probably the, uh, I don't know, signature game, let's just say, of your freshman year was going over to Albright College and um, playing a very, very good writing team at the time. They were loaded uh, with talent. And uh, I forget what the score was, what we were down by at that point, but we were down at least two scores, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, we definitely right before or going into halftime, we were down uh, at least two, I would say, yeah. yeah. So in the second half of that game, and we didn't throw a lot in that game, if I recall, we were at the, to come back, we kind of went on balance. But 
one moment I recall in that game, you know, the Reading, the Reading Wilson rivalry at that point in time, because both teams were very good, was pretty intense. And at Albright College, it was a pretty big venue. And um, I want to hear at one point in the game, um, Coach Cantafia went to the referees and stopped stop the game for a moment because there were some hecklers from Reading that were getting on you. Do you remember that? Yeah, I mean, I think the whole time, uh, you know, going into the game, I mean, obviously throughout the season, there was a lot of ups and downs. And, you know, luckily we had a veteran team that kind of controlled the, you know, leadership wise and helped me through a lot of things. But yeah, I mean, there, there was, you know, probably at least eight to 10,000 fans, uh, I would say, at the game. I mean, around, you know, Albright, around the field, everything. And, um, you know, people are always on me. I mean, everywhere I go, especially as my career uh, unveiled and, you know, moved forward. But um, big rivalry. And uh, they're like, you know, you're not worth it, what everybody is telling you are and, you know, all this and that. But. At the same time, you kind of just rely on, you know, your coaching staff and the players around you to just uh, help you get through those tough times. Well, it's funny because we, you know, Coach Cantafio stopped the game, went to the referees, because um, if you've ever, you know, people who haven't been to Albright, there's not a track around the Albright field. So um, there's just a fence and there were some guys who probably did a little pre-gaming, if we're being honest. <laughs> and, uh, and uh they were kind of following uh, you up and down the sideline, you know, when the defense was on the field. So Coach Cantafio stopped the game, went to the refs and said, hey, there's some, we need security. And as soon, those guys, those guys saw what was going on too. And um, I kind of followed them down the sideline and like pointed to, these are the guys, these are the guys to the security. And they, I think were escorted out of the stadium but it was that was really, in my mind, like the momentum really shifted after that, and we ended up um, kind of continuing to run the ball. I forget there was the funny part about that story is we kept running the same play <laughs> over and over. I remember. Sure. I, I, do you remember the play? I'm trying to think of what the play was. I don't remember it, but I know it was unbalanced. Yeah, we we definitely did a we had a run where I would fake the like outside zone and then was it like a tackled pull and then came, came back and yeah. ran. Yeah. It was like a, it was like a counter. Well, yeah, I know there was, there was a couple of plays we ran, but one we kept running over and over again. Um, uh, brought a fullback into the game and yeah, uh, kind of ran the ball down the, but I mean, and then towards the end, I mean, we, we made some big plays. I mean, Brett Harbach um, made an incredible catch on the side, on the right-hand side. And yeah, um, we started, you know, opening it up a little bit and kind of, yeah. you know, exposing them a little bit, I would say, uh, on the outside. So that that was, you know, that was a, um, kind of a whirlwind, whirlwind year, I'm sure, for you. Um, and as you continue to develop, as a quarterback and as an athlete, you know, um, obviously people could see your arm talent right away. Um, but, uh, and well, let's let, actually, I have something to talk about in regards to your arm talent. It's something I haven't seen since, but um, in practice one time, there, we had a wide receiver named Travis Schmidt. And, uh, guessing it was kind of a, a curl or kind of comeback route and you remember what happened there yeah so you know it was just kind of routes on air and just throwing it and you know Travis I don't, I don't think Travis was you know a starter at that time but he, he got in some time and you know he was just matched up with me that time and you know, fired it in there and he kind of compact dislocated one of his fingers it kind of came back and the the bone fell back and hit him kind of on top of his hand. And I think, I mean, we all heard the scream like within three or four seconds. And I think he went in shock. And of course, you know, we had to call doc out and, yeah. you know, <laughs> all, all that. But uh, actually I think Travis lives in Jacksonville now. I haven't gotten to see him, but he, he came to a couple of games when I was still playing there. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he did, it was, it was a little scary. Um, but yeah, he just kind of didn't catch the ball cleanly. 
or his hands got screwed up, or maybe it was windy that day. Who knows? But for whatever reason, his hands weren't aligned properly. And uh, so out of that, by the way, um, that's a drill that we do with our quarter, or I'm sorry, our wide receivers that I do with our wide receivers still to this day. I call it heading drill. So uh, <laughs> we stand 10 yards apart and they have to take a step in towards me. And I just gun it as, you know, as hard as I can, but it's pretty so you're the, the new era of jugs machine now. Yeah, you can just exactly. use your natural arm. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, it's a good drill because it just, uh, you know, they have to catch it away from their body and um, get it in. Fortunately, we've never had any injuries in that, in, in that <laughs> drill. But uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, maybe that takes off and you're, you're forever uh, a associated with uh, the Henny drill. I haven't, I haven't said anything in any clinics or anything, but maybe I have to do that. So, you know, as you started to develop into your sophomore year, I think, you know, after probably your soft, or after your freshman year into your sophomore year, that's when kind of recruiting um, started um, for you and you were kind of started to get on the map, so to speak, in terms of recruiting. And it, it got pretty crazy in terms of, uh, you know, people dropping by, like, you know, what's your, what's your memories of that time in terms of like being pulled from class and, and all that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, obviously back then, you know, social media wasn't alive. So it was a lot of phone calls, um, people leaving voicemails, getting random calls. I mean, there was no caller ID back then. So you had no clue. You just answered the phone. You're just thinking, Hey, it's either mom or dad. And and then it's Jimbo Fisher from LSU and you got some hillbilly on the other line. You're like, who, is this really like a coach? Like who, who are we talking to? So um, that's, know, a there, there's, that's a good point with about caller ID in terms of like, is that, did you ever get any prank calls or like fake calls? Um, I'm, I'm sure I have. I mean, not yeah. that I remember, but I mean, I'm sure there was some idiot out there that got my number <laughs> and you know, try to act who they were, but you know, it was a cool process. You know, you got to meet all these people. Like I said, there's Jimbo Fisher. I mean, Carl Durrell, who was UCLA's head coach. He was then when I was in Miami, who was our receiver coach, then quarterback coach, Greg Olson, who uh, was at Purdue. He's the, he was the offensive coordinator, at Oakland Raiders. He was with me in Jacksonville. And you kind of build all these relationships early, not knowing like that you would meet them later on in life. Yeah. And it was, it was definitely a cool experience. Uh, um, just, just to meet them, to meet my family. Uh, but at the same time, it was, it was a lot of work and it was one of those decisions earlier on in my career where I was like, I need to like zone this down and kind of bring in the like five to 10 teams. So a lot of people would stop calling, stop sending mail. I mean, I think my mom just threw out like the boxes of mails and, uh, from just literally a couple of years ago from yeah. all the letters and, uh, you know, that people write, you know, you think of now the recruiting's Twitter and, you know, everybody yeah. puts it on Twitter and it was all paper and, you know, right. probably fabricated letters that were <laughs> just switched the name at the top and here you go, come to our camp. But um, it was a lot, but at the same time, it was a lot of fun. Early on, I think I recall you went to um, Purdue's camp. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's Greg Olson. So Greg uh, Olson was the quarterback coach at the time. Uh, obviously, everybody knows Drew Brees uh, just graduated. And then Kyle Orton was the quarterback. And Purdue was kind of the elite quarterback camp, to say, right. um, at the time. So a lot of quarterbacks went out there for the camp. It was almost like the elite 11 at the time. Sure. And, uh, you know, luckily enough, you know, I had a good camp and, you know, impressed a lot of people and, you know, came out and got a lot of offers from the Midwest. So a lot of big 10 teams were there and that kind of unraveled through the big 10. And, but it was a great experience. I mean, it, it was a lot of fun to be around a lot of great people that I met and uh, players as well. Purdue was doing some things. I think they were a little ahead of the curve too, in terms of not only um, quarterback play, but also in terms of their offense and largely because yeah. Drew Brees. Um, yep. So that, um, it's interesting because how times change, you wouldn't necessarily think that you'd be one of the first camps uh, uh, an elite high school quarterback would go to is sure. at this point, you know, 
Yeah, there were definitely, I mean, they were all spread out, running spread and, you know, throwing the ball probably, you know, 70, 75% of the time. Yeah. So, um, you know, coaches would come in and um, there would be, uh, you know, kind of a, an ant line of, of people coming in school all the time. And um, I thought, you know, and from your, you touched on a little bit, but talk to me about, um, you know, I thought from, you know, my perspective, you handled it very well for a high school kid. Um, and maybe, maybe it's good. There wasn't social media. I don't know if you think that or not, but sure. Um, I thought you handled it pretty well, but what, what things, what things, um, I don't know, we'll take the opposite. Everybody would ask you, you know, how it felt, what, what was great about it? What was the tough part about it? What was the things that maybe bothered you about the whole process? If any. Uh, yeah, I would say just like the unknown of, you know, what I was actually going into. Like, I mean, I w I'm more of a pleasing person, so I like to please yeah. a lot of people. Um, so, you know, I would take it in, even though I knew the guy was probably full of shit and, yeah. you know, didn't know what he was talking about, but at the same time, you know, uh, you know, you're immature, you don't know what to like, what questions are good to ask. I didn't really have a lot of people to rely on, um, yeah. as a play, I would say player coaches. I did that, you know, you know, you guys did a great job with that, but, uh, player wise, I didn't have a lot of, you know, Ian was being recruited. Uh, at the same time so we had some division one guys but it's different you know you're a quarterback now you're not you know you're the main uh, aspect of the you know the team so I think that that part of it just asking questions knowing what questions were the right questions to ask um, I think a lot of it was do I want to stay close to home yeah. or do I want to go away um, you know what's your education like like I felt like I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like when I was a kid, I wanted to be a marine biologist. So yeah. like, I was like, well, I can't go be a marine biologist somewhere north. Like I would have to go sure. south. And at the same time, I was like, well, I don't want to go too far south because I don't want to be away from my family. And then I was like, well, you know, of course, a lot of teams, you got to stay in sports management. You got to do this and that. And I was like, I don't want to be around. Yeah, like for education wise. And it's yeah. like, I don't know if I want to go into sports management. Like I'm, I'm tired of sports. Like when I'm in yeah. sports, I'm in sports, but when I'm outside of it, I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, you um, so I think the education questions, I probably could have been a little bit better on uh, just knowing what I wanted to do uh, playing wise. I think I, the right question was, do I have an ability to play and do I have an ability to play early? And right. I always wanted to play early. I wanted to, I knew I would have to compete no matter what, who was there. Um, but everybody's sly. Everybody had, you know, sure. oh, we're not recruiting this kid. You know, they're recruiting thousands of kids at the same time that you are. Right. Um, so how do you know if they're, you know, truly being honest with you? Um, and you really can't. And to, to this day, they can't either because they're trying to get the best players possible in their door and early. So uh, I think that was one of it. And, you know, just the offensive philosophy. Um, you know, we were spread offense, uh, you know, in high school, I knew I wanted to throw the ball, but at the same time, I want to prepare myself just in case I had an opportunity to move to the next level and be in a pro style offense. So how do I have to like counterbalance that, you know, do I want to go spread or do I want to go to a pro style offense? And then I looked into it where did they develop the quarterback? You know, what kind of quarterbacks did they actually have there that were starting and in the previous years? And um, I think that was big, too, as well as my development. And I think, um, you know, how they handled the quarterback position is always a, a big key as well. Like, you know, do they study film? Uh, you know, do they actually go to class or we're just going to a university to play football? Um, you know, I always had a goal in mind to graduate. And luckily enough, I got my, you know, I graduated from Michigan at the time. Um, but you know, there's all, all kinds of different questions that you had to ask. And whether it was being honest with the person or they were being honest with me, I think that was the hardest thing. Yeah. And it's, you know, obviously that hasn't changed. In fact, it's probably gotten worse with the number of offers that, that schools are thrown out there, you know. Um, 
I, I recall I recall that at the time, I think it was Oklahoma. Was it Oklahoma that was saying they were going to change their offense for you? Yeah, Oklahoma. I mean, there was actually a bunch like Syracuse yeah. at the time. Pascaloni was a head coach and actually right. was our defense coordinator when I was in Miami. He was like, oh, we have McNabb, but we'll change your your uh, the whole style offense. We don't have to run with them. Like, there's no way you've been running this for like 12 to 15 years. There's no, no yeah. way you're changing it just for one person. Um, Did you ever you know, talk Syracuse about that? Uh, there was actually a bunch of guys on our staff and I was like, there's no way you're going to change it. And they're like, well, like we would, you know, mix a little stuff in, but you were probably going to run anyway. Yeah. And thankfully, you know, I didn't go there, but yeah. So there's, there's things like that, but people are trying to change the offense and, you know, fit it towards you. But at the same time, they know what they know that they're not going to branch out. Yeah. I, I, Recall the other thing that that um, coaching Taffy always did was he would take you know take a picture and then post it in the windows of his office. And I don't know. Um, I know we you know we talked a little bit prior to this prior to this morning, but one of the things that I remember was um, you know Mike Price, who had just gotten the job at Alabama, um, was in. And I want to say, if I recall correctly, it wasn't more than a week. Then he ran into some uh, some trouble. On the, on the recruiting trail with, um, let's say, some people that he hired <laughs> to come to his hotel room and uh, had these girls yell, roll tide, um, while whatever was happening happened and uh, got himself into pretty hot water and ended up never coaching, a, never coaching a game in Alabama. And that's, you know, that speaks to what you were saying in terms of uh, – not that he didn't tell you the truth, but just the the very nature of things can switch on a dime. Uh, yeah. yeah. You definitely don't know what's going behind the doors and that's for yeah. everybody. You know, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure in this business and um, a lot of people point you different ways and you, you just don't know. You don't know who you're going to run into. Uh, I, a great uh, George O'Leary with, Blake Bortles at UCF like Blake told me his recruiting trip he's like man this is just a sweet old man came into my house and I was like this guy's great and as soon as Blake stepped on campus he committed he's like good god this guy is totally different than when I I remembered him and and that's that scene though you're you're recruiting a kid so your personality doesn't really come out um, as it is on the football field Um, so I think going to some of the spring practices, going to visit like, and see their coaching style, like in person is probably beneficial than, you know, in that where they're just coming to you as a high school uh, kid in your environment. Yeah, that's a good point. I think football, I mean, not that coaches don't get on guys, obviously, obviously they get on guys in practice, but I think, um, and I'm always very proud of this and, you know, looking at my own evolution, if you want to call it, you know, I'm a completely different coach than I was even 10 years ago in terms of some of those things. You know, football has done a great job and the coaching industry, I think football coaching especially, has done a great job of reevaluating what the most important thing is. And you hear it, you know, NFL, college, high school, the most important things are relationships. And, and again, that doesn't mean you don't get on a guy um, from a coaching standpoint, but um, I think it's probably a lot better these days. In fact, I'd be very confident saying it is in terms of yeah. those relationships and not necessarily putting on airs. Um, you know, guys have to be more genuine with, and, and that probably is a benefit of social media, quite honestly, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. I mean, everything's about, you know, relationships and network. Um, at the same time, society's changing. Obviously, we all know that, you know, the way kids are raised, the way, you know, you can treat a kid um, is totally different. And, you know, the ability to adjust is definitely there. But at the same time, you know, even for me being 36, like I look back and I'm man, like, oh, man, <laughs> at sometimes I'm like, these kids are crazy. Like they don't, some of them don't want to work, not saying like all of them, but, you know, the work ethic isn't there. Uh the discipline sometimes isn't there and it's because they never heard the word no. And uh, so there, there's a little bit of that, but at the same time, you're, you're exactly right with relationships. You have to deal with people different ways. 
uh, all the time, know their personality and be able to adapt. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, so as the recruiting process started to, um, you know, really get to a point where you started to make decisions, um, we can get into this a little bit. I know that, you know, there are a lot of people obviously from central Pennsylvania who were very interested in you um, attending uh, Penn State. And um, and I'm sure there was, there was some pressure in your mind regarding that. I mean, you had to have known um, that people were, you know, there's it's Penn State country. Um, but it kind of came down to a few schools and there were a lot of people surprised um, when you had your press conference and, and finally chose Michigan. And there were a lot of people that were upset that you didn't choose Penn State. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, you know, you grew up in Pennsylvania. The number one goal for most kids is to play in-state at home and yeah. you don't have to travel very far. Um, it's a great university. Um, obviously a great program throughout the years, um, you know, and let it be like Jim Contafio, my head coach was the ultimate Penn state well, his, you know, fan. His uh, so, license plate said PSU Yanks. Number one fan or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, so it was already like in my sister, you know, went to Penn state, um, you know, so the. Oh, I've forgotten that. I've forgotten that. Yeah. So. At the same time, it's like, okay, like, yeah, that's, that's a great opportunity for me. Like I know like everybody up there, I know the coaching staff. Um, I felt comfortable up there. Uh, nobody knew how long Joe Pa was going to stay there, but to play for a legendary coach like that uh, once in a lifetime opportunity, had a great relationship with him. And so earlier on, you know, it was probably midway through my sophomore year and I was like, this is the place where I want to be. So I committed, uh, committed early, obviously back then it's just verbal, just like it is now. And, um, I felt very confident with that. And I went all the way through my senior year, like you said, and still people were recruiting me, uh, still coming in. Hell, I remember Alabama, Mike, um, Shula mm -hmm. called me like midway through my senior year. And he's like, Oh, you, you can switch your decision. Like, you know, you don't have to go to Michigan. You don't have to do this. Like, come to Alabama. He's on the hot seat. He <laughs> and I was like, Coach Shula, like, all right, I've, I've been committed to Michigan. And this was before my senior year. And this is midway yeah. through my senior year. So there's things like that. But at the same time, I was very comfortable with Penn State until Michigan came along. And I had no clue about Michigan, no clue about their tradition, didn't know anything about it. And Scott Leffler, the quarterback coach at the time, came to school. He probably worked at uh, one of the coaches' camps. And immediately, he was teaching me different techniques that I felt. I was like, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And instantly made me better and made me feel comfortable with him. And so then I was like, well, Michigan's not too far and still in the Big Ten. And so I was like, eh, you know, I don't know. And then the hardest thing was, you know, my family could care less where I wanted. They were going to support yeah, me no matter what. Ask you that. And um, so that didn't matter. And I think the hardest thing was just telling coach like that I and you know, having feelings to switching, you know, schools uh, just for his love of the, you know, for Penn State and his relationship with, you know, the Paternos. And I mean, you're talking about a guy that's sat in Paterno and had dinner and, sure. you know, different things with him throughout the years. Um, so I think that was the hardest thing, just kind of like breaking his heart because we were so close at the time. Christ coach was the one that was traveling with me most of the time to different camps and throughout the recruiting process. So, um, to break his heart, I think was the hardest thing, but at the same time, I knew what was best for me. Right. And that's why I kind of just switched over to Michigan, just saying, this is the best fit for me. Not that Penn state wasn't going to be a great place and, couldn't go on to do great things. I just felt uh, Michigan would just do a little bit better than, you know, Penn State. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. The other thing that I recall from that time 
you, you actually referenced it earlier is the elite 11, you actually turned down, um, if I recall correctly, you turned down an invite to the elite 11 camp. And uh, I recall the, I forget who was running it at the time, but Bob Johnson. Yeah. wasn't real happy with you. Yeah. So Bob wasn't very happy. Um, and at the same time we had team camp, I think either that week or the next week. And I didn't want to be the guy to miss team camp just because I wanted to go somewhere for an individual uh, performance. I had all the offers I wanted. I was already committed to Michigan. I didn't need to prove to some high school coach uh, that's running this, you know, prestige camp that I'm better than this kid or, you know, prove to him that I'm one of the best guys in the country. That, that didn't bother me. And um, so I made the decision that I wasn't going to go. And Bob actually was my quarterback coach leading up to the combine. And he always brought it up. He's like, I can't believe you're the first ever to turn down elite 11. And I said, coach, it is what it is. I had my differences and uh, I just decided not to go. And, you know, not that I don't love what you guys do out here, but it's just the best for me. So that, that's that story. And, you know, I, I'm actually glad I, I didn't go because there's so much pressure in these kids these days. And if you have your scholarships and you have places where you already want to go, there's no point to, you know, expose yourself because there's only going to come bad. They're always going to critique you about something and nobody's perfect. Um, I'll just say that. Yeah, that's that's what I kind of meant by you handling your recruiting process very well for a, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old kid. Like no one ever turned him down and and you kind of did and had your priorities straight. Um, do you think that would it kind of leads into the next thing, which is and again, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but social media pressure, like if social media was, you know, we see so many guys. Well, I do anyway. So many guys put, you know, their workouts on Twitter and, and uh, Joe Burrow actually referenced that uh, a couple months back. But, you know, guys put their workouts on social media. They put their, uh, you know, the throwing workouts. They put their weight room workouts on social media. Um, and they kind of put pressure on themselves. Um, do you think social media, what impact do you think social media would have had on you at that point? Or do you think it would have, you still would have gone down the same path? Yeah, I mean, so so, it, just like the Elite 11, right? No one knew that. Sure. Like for the most part, probably people thought, oh, he wasn't invited to it. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, these days it'll be all over social media, like Henny's afraid to go to the Elite 11 or, or some kind absolutely. of. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, social media plays so much in our lives these days and it's crazy. Um, but at the same time, it is a benefit and it's a negative. I mean, like you said, so you're posting everything about your life on this, you know, you know, internet mega, whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, just to exploit everything. It's good for recruiting for the kids uh, if they're not getting looked at, but they're, there are the right people there, you know, coaches out there that are willing to help you bring in coaches or take you to the right places that can do it uh, behind the scenes, I would say, rather than putting yourself out there. And you're not going to put anything that you failed in on social media. So everybody's seeing, this bro. <laughs> yeah, everybody's seeing the positives of what you do and they don't see the fails. So yeah. You know, and it's it's the same thing if I were to, I'm very new to social media. So if I were to post something about my kids, like right. I'm not going to post like, hey, they lost like this. Like I'm posting he won the tournament, like right. for sure. But um, I would say I'm more old school in that where like nobody needs to know my business. I'll yeah. let my work come to light. Um, I always say like what you do in the dark will come to light anyway. Uh, so you can work behind the scenes, be humble, be quiet and, you know, go about the right way rather than just, uh, you know, throwing it out there and being, uh, critiqued. Sure. So as you, um, closed up your high school career, you were named to the big 33 team and, um, that's coming up in, in Pennsylvania. Um, 
obviously that game has changed a little bit um, in terms of now we have guys going early. Um, you didn't go to Michigan early. You were able to play in the Big 33 game. Um, talk a little bit about that and what you remember from the Big 33. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a cool experience. I mean, you get to go to a host family in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and the Winters were actually my family. Uh, so they took me in, they take you for a week, they take you to practice, they feed you. Um, so you get to meet a family and luckily his daughter, one of his daughters actually went to Michigan. So I kind of got an insight from her okay. of, you know, talking a little bit about school and her experiences as well. Um, but it's, it, it's a cool thing where, you know, it's the top 33 players in Pennsylvania going against Ohio or Maryland, Maryland. Yeah. Maryland. So it's Maryland. And it's just competition. Like back then, everybody just wanted to compete. Nobody cared like where it was, what team it was. If you were invited to an all-star game, you were going. There was no question about it. And now it's like, oh, we got to worry about the hurt factor if we're going to get hurt or which I totally agree with as well. So there's there's different philosophies in that as well. But um, for me, like being around, being able to compete against uh, the best guys in Pennsylvania to show what you had. Uh, but at the same time, it was a community thing. Like we, you know, went to visit hospitals. We went to visit special needs kids. We had a buddy that week. Uh, so there's experiences like that that you'll never forget and never give back. Yeah. And I think that was one of the cool things that they did as well. Like you had a special needs kid that you had the whole week that you can enlighten their uh, life throughout the week and, you know, really get to know them and, you know, put a smile on their face as well. Yeah. So there, there was a bigger thing than the game that whole week as well. But once you got to the game, then it was like, all right, we're going against, you know, top players in Ohio and they're pretty damn good too. And yeah. to see what we had and, you know, everybody knew that it was going to be a great game. And then after that, it was done. Like you yeah. went right to college and, you know, everything was great. Hopefully you didn't get injured, but it was a good ex experience for me. Who were some of the guys that uh, played in that game with you or against you? Hey, yeah, I mean, so Anthony Morelli was the other quarterback. Um, we had AQ Shipley was our center. Um, James Bryant, obviously, Redding. Uh, Cook, I think, was one of our receivers uh, from Redding. Uh, Ohio side was Brian Hoyer, Hoyer was the quarterback. Uh, Teddy Ginn was a wide receiver. I remember Teddy Ginn. Uh, my roommate from Michigan was Ohio, Mike Massey uh, from St. Ignatius High School. So, I mean, there were some high-powered, uh, you know, yeah. kids at this at this game, and it was just a lot of fun to, you know, see them. It was funny because we we were out there doing. We had George Chomp as our head coach. We were out there doing three days. And Ohio was Ohio would literally, literally do like one practice, and then they would either go to Hershey Park or they would play kick. They play kickball, and we could see. I think they were like we were separated from different high schools, but I felt like there was times that we could see the other team practicing, and we're like, "What the hell are they doing? Are they going through like walkthroughs? Like we're out here full pads, like we're in training camp, and we're getting killed." And uh, so, obviously, there's different uh, perspectives in coaching in that game as well. Speaking of old school, Chomp. <laughs> yeah. Is he still alive? No, no. He passed, um, I want to say, a couple years back. You know, speaking of Coach Chomp, it was funny. Um, one, I'm trying to think, I don't know what year this was, but uh, we had played Harrisburg. And um, Coach Chomp wanted to talk to, to uh, Coach Doms and said he wanted to come in and he wanted to sit down and talk to uh, talk to some of our offensive staff about some of the things that, that we were doing at the time. And I was like, what? Like, George Chomp wants to come in and, and talk to me. And he, he was pretty um, – he, he was – slowing down a little bit at the time like he but he drove up to school parked in the front he had this huge I think it was a Cadillac like huge long car and uh I met him because I was in the front of the school at the time and uh walked him down to coach Doms's room just to say hi and then and he actually stopped a couple times like I could tell 
that you know he was slowing down like it was it wasn't that far of a walk but he was slowing down a little bit but it was one of the things in my life like why would why would George Chomp want to talk to me about offense but it just goes to show you like you know guys that are football guys they never stop learning they want to sure absolutely I don't know if I I don't know if I said anything that he hadn't heard before probably not but it was a it was a pretty cool experience yeah so off you went to uh, off you went to Michigan, and uh, the amazing thing was obviously you talked about it early. You wanted to, you know, have an opportunity to get on the field um, as quickly as possible, and that kind of worked its way out right away. Yeah, um, and you know, I got to school probably June sixth, right after graduation, so. I didn't have a lot of time. I mean, you get to go to the, the prom. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I went to prom. Yeah. I think Which, a lot of kids, like a lot of kids that leave early, man, some of that stuff is, yeah. I don't know. Not that, not that you sit here as a 36 year old man and regret not going to the prom, but some of those experiences I think kids are missing out on. Sure. I mean, you miss out on a lot and, you know, I wouldn't be able to play basketball for one more year, do track for one more year. So, um, yeah, and be just being around my friends and, you know, just be in that community again. But, yeah, I, I would never change it the way it is. Uh, I would definitely just play it out, you know, go there. So get there around June 6th. So didn't have a lot of time, you know, just, you know, most of the teams up there for spring and summer doing class and just working out and seven on seven, you know, coaches obviously weren't supposed to be there and, uh, you know, coach you. Uh, but, you know, we ran seven on seven as players and or I was picking up the offense. It's not like I wasn't given like plays throughout when I was still in high school to learn the offense early. Right. Um, so I, I would spend the time that way. And I felt uh, I had a good grasp on it, but still had a lot of learning to do. I mean, the speed of the game has changed. You know, you got players out there. You know, Marlon Jackson was a first-round pick. He was our def yeah. like one of our corners. So you're going against some premier guys, and you're only, you know, 18 years old. Um, but, you know, put my head down, um, you know, study the, the playbook as much as I could. I worked out, tried to gain some weight because, you know, I was probably only about 205 pounds at the time. And, you know, back then, Scott Lever's like, if you're going to start at University of Michigan, you're going to have to weigh 225 pounds before you're a freshman. And I was like, coach, that's 20 pounds in, you know, a month and a half. That's kind of a lot of weight. Um, so what I do, I hang out with the linemen. I drink beer. I you know, eat pizza. So, you know, just trying to gain as much. And it was just sloppy weight, you know, yeah, stuff right. that I didn't really need. Um, but, you know, get back to the story is that, you know, I, I gave myself a chance. I, I proved to the coaches that I was willing to learn, uh, spend the time uh, in the playbook, get to know the players, and, you know, just let my physical ability take over. Yeah. And you got to start, you know, as a true freshman, your first game. Um, but I wanted to, since this is a PA football story podcast, I want to focus less on Michigan and kind of come back around to what it was like when you came back to Pennsylvania and you had uh, play against Penn State. Yeah, I mean, I mean, before we got to Penn State, we had the number, uh, the two second game, uh, my sophomore year, which everybody remembers, uh, on the clock with the Mario Manningham throw in the back sure. of the end zone, and uh, everybody charges the field. So that was the first opportunity I got to play Penn State was my sophomore year, and um, Penn State was Christ one of the top teams in the nation at the time. Michael Robinson was the quarterback. Um, really high powered offense, great defense. They had Puzzlesny, they had um, Dan Connor, uh, the guy from that's playing for the Cowboys now. I can't even think of his name. Um, yeah. So great players, great team. And, you know, we came out with a victory there and then come back to Pennsylvania my junior year, another battle. Uh, but we have a really good team that year. And, I think their defense was pretty good. They're pretty stout still. Um, but coming back, you know, my my brother-in-law was in a fraternity at Penn State. And, of course, he makes a T-shirt that says Chad Henney. 
Uh, <laughs> and it's, I mean, it was, a, it, was a different, it was a different time. Yeah, different yeah. time, exactly. So he has a t-shirt made up and it's like throughout the whole uh, student section. I mean, it's, I'm, I don't know, like if he made, he did, obviously didn't make it up, but it was his fraternity. He told me at the time, he's like, all right. Um, so the hostility, the people that go back to high school saying, oh, you disrespected Penn State, you went to Michigan instead, you know, all that came back to light, obviously coming back to Pennsylvania. And uh, so it was tough. Like it, mentally it was, it was draining. I just wanted to get to the game uh, and just get playing before, you know, all, all these people are calling me throughout the week. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we played a decent game. I wouldn't say we played a great game, but we knocked out two quarterbacks. So that helped out. Our defense was very good at that time. Um, but it was a great experience to go back in Beaver, Beaver Stadium where, you know, I was up there many a times for games since I was in like eighth, ninth grade. Yeah. Um, it was one of the best college atmospheres I would say that I've ever played in, you know, the whiteout, uh, the fans, you know, just me coming back to Pennsylvania was something special. And I always remember. Yeah. So we're doing a great job of here with these transitions here and it's kind of planned, but it's not really planned. So I wanted to talk to you. I'll never forget. Um, we were at team camp. I'm talking me and my staff at Spring Forward were at team camp and uh, and hadn't ever heard this song, but we, you know, we're in between practices and we're sitting in the dorm and somehow it came up, um, obviously Michigan and Ohio State, um, you know, is a, is a old and um, fierce rivalry. And uh, somehow it came up, you know, we're sitting there playing around. I'm on the computer, of course, and we, came across this song by a band called the dead Schembecklers. And I'm not going to get into the, I'm not going to get into all the words of the song, but it's basically um, throwing any, any kind of uh, derogatory statement towards you. Um, and I can imagine that was probably at the time playing uh, in every dive bar in Columbus um, <laughs> the night before, the night before. And, and after the game, but how do you, I mean, you're certainly aware of the song um, and people can look it up on YouTube. Obviously, Shem Beckler is a reference, reference to uh, Michigan's famous, um, famous coach, but uh, that took that kind of thing. And that was kind of, were you aware of it, by the way, in college, that song? Yeah, I, I want to say it, it took a while. I think it was probably my junior year where um, it was probably already out. The Dead Schembecklers were a band that, I mean, all their music was about hating Michigan. Right. So, and I was one of the songs where it came about, and it's a hell of a song. I mean, it's yeah, right. It yeah. is. I, yeah, I, I, mean, to, I have to say to you on the side, I actually kind of like the song. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind it as well. And I mean, for them to like how they put the rhymes in and just. <laughs> And the video, like, I mean, it's obviously me throwing interceptions, me getting yeah. sacked. Like, it's all about Ohio State, which is sure. awesome. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you got to be kidding me. Like, yeah. you're, you're just bashing a, a college kid yeah, yeah, at the exactly. same time. Yeah. And it's derogative. It's not like it's, you know, an easy song like, oh, Chad Henney sucks. Like, it's, right. it's, it's some good stuff. And uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely look at it. But I will say they switched their name, Dead Schembecklers. I'm not sure what the name is now, but after Bo obviously passed away, yeah. they paid respect to Bo. So they switched okay. the name, which was actually kind of cool that they did that. But they're still making the songs, I think, about <laughs> Michigan. Have you, have you ever met those guys? No, I, I would love to. That I would mean, I would actually, I would shake their hand and be like, hey, you know, that, that's... That would you be guys did. I'd it. like to witness. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm, I'm picturing like a long hair, like yeah, just right. guys just jamming out. Yeah, that would be an interesting conversation um, to, to be witness to. Maybe a little awkward at first, but yeah, it'd be good. I mean, once I start singing the song and I know the words, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, there you go. You're in the front row, right? Yeah. Uh, so, um, 
want to switch gears again and talk about, you know, I think I've heard that you've said something along these lines, but um, Andy Reid made a comment and that I thought was really interesting um, talking about the evolution of football. He said something, I'm, I'm not, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not exactly quoting, but he said something along the lines of like the NFL is five years behind college and high school in terms of, you know, offense. I, I think he was referencing offense, but um, it's the NFL's five years behind um, college and high school offenses and kind of the NFL picks up on it, um, you know, in his mind late. Uh, I wanted to hear what, what you obviously you've been around Andy a lot and um, want to hear what you think of that. If you agree with him and also, um, you know, what, is there a reason for that, you know, in your mind, um, just kind of touch on that. Yeah. I, and I, I do agree with them where we're a little bit behind because the NFL for so long has been under center, split back, drop back quarterback until, I mean, I was under center and third down when I was still in Miami. So you're yeah. talking, you know, 10 years ago, yeah. um, which is unheard of now. Like you'll never see a quarterback in the NFL under center and third down unless it's third and short. Yeah. Um, but the high school, the college level with all the RPOs, with the spread, um, just unique coaches that are coming up with stuff to attack different coverages even though it's simplified coverages, I would say in high school sure. and college, um, they're seeing the same thing over and over again. And they're kind of getting bored of, all right, well, we can't just run curl flat. Yeah. Um, so what else can we do? And the RPO game came about, you know, I believe at high school or college level. And, you know, the NFL was just like, wait, who, who are they reading? Like, yeah. not that they didn't know, but they're trying to draw back to when before they became in the NFL where it's just cookie cutter, like West coast offense, three-step, five-step, seven-step drop um, play action. You know, what can we do to affect these linebackers that are making all of our, their, their tackles against our offense. And I think the college and high school level was saying, all right, we keep seeing this. So let's just spread these guys out and make this 14, 15 year old kid make a decision when he's just taught, hey, see ball, hit ball, you yeah. know? And so I think that has evolved. And I mean, most of the kids in college or high college and high school are shotgun now. I mean, Chris, I, I'll, I'll do, you know, a couple, you know, charity things to teach quarterbacks and, you know, we'll go under center first thing, do a three. And they're like, wait, what? Yeah, right, right. Like, okay, pivot, push, you know, you know, do all this. And they're like, uh, let's just go on the shotgun. I was like, all right, let's, let's do it. And I'm totally fine with that. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, the NFL is stealing that and, but they're also stealing our stuff as well. So, um, but it's just more part of it is, do you, do you think part of it is the, um, and I wanted to touch on this then later on, but like part of it is the complexities of, of, NFL defenses yes I and, absolutely and, and also obviously there's a rule like in the NFL you can only be one yard down the field the lineman can only be one yard down the field sure. which obviously there's a huge impact on the RPO game but yeah. I just feel like NFL defenses are so complex mm -hmm. um, that it obviously makes it more difficult yeah so you're seeing different fronts defensive fronts uh obviously disguising coverage um like in high school, you're seeing cover three, cover two, cover four. Um, and that's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to get every down. Um, so you can really pick out and isolate one guy. Yeah. And like you said, you're not getting the review tape or you're not getting the multiple officials on the sideline right. uh, to see the offensive line actually being downfield and like, you know, whether it is or not. And well, we got away with it a few times. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, we, we stretch it as well in the NFL as, you know, too. So like, we'll, we'll say, Hey, we got to stay engaged, but at the same time, Patrick will, you know, ride it and he'll hold on to it sometimes. And he's like, I'll make them call the, you know, I'll right. take the five yards. So, right. but if we can get a big play and, you know, get a, you know, 15 yard gain, we're, we're going to stretch it um, uh, to, to make it 
to our ability, but we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I, I would definitely say the complexity of our, our defenses in the NFL make it harder. Um, Cause you only have to really do like two things to stop the RPO game. And uh, that's the switch the front to a bear front. And, you know, you put five guys across. So now you're not reading the linebacker. You have to read the end man on scrimmage, the defensive end or the linebacker and, or you shoot a linebacker through the gap. And so once you start doing that and which defensive coordinators in the NFL realize it, it kind of shuts it down pretty quick. Yeah. And well, in high school now, we're seeing a lot more man and one high stuff because of RPOs. So, yep. and you can still affect passing lanes, you know, you can still affect passing lanes and get yourself better throwing lanes or whatever, but um, that's, you know, obviously that's part of the answer, answer to, to that stuff. Um, the NFL notoriously has um, long offensive play calls. Um, and I've always wondered and wanted to get your, your take on this is like, let's start a, is it necessary? And then B, when you get to the line of scrimmage, because the NFL is so, and I know, you know, in the past few years, the kill call has been very popular in the NFL and down through, but, um, you know, if you call a long drawn out offensive play and then you get to line of scrimmage like in other words you don't know in the nfl what they're going to be in down to down so you call a certain play which probably has um you know you're thinking about a certain defense when you call that play um i'm I'm getting to my question here why if, if a play if an offensive play in the nfl has I'm doing this if they're man. I'm doing this if they're playing cover two. I'm doing this if they're playing quarters. Why does the play have to be so long? You follow what I'm saying? In other yeah. words, yeah. I mean, it. If you're telling basically, something specific, mm-hmm. it's a long play call. Sure. Then why does it have to be so long? In other words, there might be. Each receiver might have three different options depending on the coverage. Right. So why does it have to be that long? I think it's just, uh, yeah, I think we're just, we tag everybody, um, which makes it longer. Um, Christ, the offensive line for us, I mean, they hear one or two words and they're they're out. Um, But the formations, motions, shifts to give the quarterback a kind of pre-snap to identify what they're in, especially at our stage is, you know, to eliminate the disguise of the defense. Like we can put a running back outside and we call it Shaq, bring him back in the backfield. If a linebacker walks out or a safety walks out, that gives us a clue. It's man coverage. If nobody walks out it's zone, Um, we shift, we motion. It's, it's all to tell the quarterback something. Right. So that's that's basically why the play is usually so long. Okay. And then on top of that, we tag every almost not every receiver, but most times we're tagging two guys on yeah. what they're running. So can you say one word that encompasses the whole play? Absolutely. But sometimes we're stuck in old school ways as well. Yeah. So we're in Bill Walsh's offense. Sure. And Bill Walsh says 22 scat ZN like we're that's actually ZN is actually one of the easiest plays to call, but it it's an all encompassing play, but now we're saying ZN and then we'll, what if we want the X to do something different on the backside? So now we have to tag the X and say, all right, well, he's not running a post anymore. He's going to run, you know, you know, something different. So we kind of evolved in that way where we want to tag everybody doing something different. Um, so that's why sometimes it's just so long, but a lot of it is the motions, the shifts, um, Christ. I mean, the cadence isn't a big deal, but it, it's mostly the motions, the shifts and the formations uh, yeah. sometimes drag out. I gotcha. Cause that's, that was kind of like, I was kind of piggybacking off the previous play where, you know, about college and high school, a lot of college teams and high school teams 
have you know one word concept that embraces you know if they're in man do this if they're in cover two do this if they're in cover three or whatever they're in cover four like you know and they they all know it and they're all on the same page but let me ask you this like how many passing concepts in a general number do you have going into a game oh let me see i mean patrick would literally be able to spit it out like <laughs> right now um I'm looking at like our, I'm trying to visualize our call sheet. Yeah. So um, base pass, we have 10 base passes. Okay. And that's not, um, that's saying like different variations. So if we had spacing uh, called, we would tag the X on a slant. We'd say thunder. We would have probably four or five routes for that week that we'd say, hey, he could run this route. So right. that's, that's all in one line. Like yeah. one play, and we would have all go special. So that's three, three ver or four verticals just out of three by one. But at the same time, we could tag Y basic. We could say, uh, you know, zebra out with it. Um, so there's different variations of that concept within right. the base. Um, so there's ten of those plays. There's four or five play action, probably four movements. So now we're almost at twenty uh let me think what else we have then there's like a special category like a special pass so that's another seven to eight now we're at 27 probably two or three screens base screens that's you know 30 and then we're talking about run game uh probably 12 12 yeah. to 13 runs so 43 base downs and then you get in the third down you're probably around another 12 plays but this is like like i'm saying we have tags so sure. it looks like yeah, a lot but multiple. yeah exactly yeah so i mean i would say anywhere probably like 85 to 100 like yeah. plays but different variations it almost looks like it's almost exponential plays. right yeah it's like 200 plays that you would think hey we could call this differently because sometimes i get accused of the reason i'm asking is Sometimes I get accused of going into a game with, uh, you know, X amount of plays and we only run, you know, absolutely 50% of them or whatever, but I'm like, well, we thought they were going to do this and they didn't. And we thought we had, you know, an advantage here and kind of that didn't come to fruition. So I was just curious, like, so of those plays, and I get there's exponential tags and whatnot, but of that, of your game sheet, right? Like, you think you run 50 percent of them it just all depends how the game goes yeah. um sometimes we rip through our first fit like we have two two fifteens uh so sometimes we rip through that first 15 and then get in the second 15 before halftime yeah. and i'm like shit like we're running out of plays or like we get in the red zone and we're in different areas like plus five plus ten and we've been in that area multiple times and now we have to come up with different stuff yeah um so it all depends on the game, but at the same time, if we do have a different like concept for that week, Coach Reed, if he hasn't called it, he'll try to roll it over into the next week right. because we practiced it uh, the week before. So we're already familiar with it, uh, which is awesome for us as a quarterback. But um, yeah, I mean, it all depends on the game. Yeah. But at the same time, we do practice almost every play like you're going to get a look at every play during the week in practice like there's not going to be one play on that call sheet that we haven't seen or seen a look for whether it's a walkthrough or a regular practice uh which is uh very good as well you know in his philosophy but um yeah you're going to rep every play during the week so you're you're going to be prepared during sunday once you play all right well let's talk um let's kind of wrap it up with talking about um chad henney's future plans um where are you at what are you thinking what do you want to do going forward obviously your children are a big part of you know whatever that might be yeah so um right now i mean i'm a free agent so um whether you know i want to play one more year is the goal so i will set me up at 15 and then um you know, obviously like to be back to Kansas City, uh, easy for us, easy for my family, um, sure. but we'll see what happens with negotiations. So after that, uh, after this year, play this year, 
hopefully retire. I say every year I'm, you know, uh, I'm done. I'm going to retire. And then I play one more year. Um, But I think 15 is where I want to be and kind of be satisfied that way. And then move back to Pennsylvania. Um, We built our house probably about five years ago up here uh, in the Wilson school district. And um, we've been in spring forward. We have a lot of nice homes. I, yeah, we actually, before we built, we're looking out there in that way. And um, it's just, I mean, it's home. Her, her parents are here. My parents are here. Um, so obviously get the kids back in school, um, you know, obviously be around them, help them with whatever they need on a daily basis. But at the same time, you know, I'd like to train quarterbacks and kind of get into that, whether, um, you know, open up my own facility or just kind of get into a facility uh, early on and just trying to train guys. Um, And then maybe just like help out in high school. Um, I think I I would love to be a college or NFL coach, but the time commitment uh, that they spend just isn't uh, doesn't fit with my lifestyle. I felt, I feel like I've given so much throughout the years of, you know, playing my time and I just wouldn't be around my kids or my wife, which I enjoy, you know, doing. So just help out in high school, see where it goes, but definitely getting training quarterbacks and kind of giving my knowledge throughout the years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, college, it kind of gets into the same thing where you never know where you're going to be one year to the next and that kind of thing moving or whatnot. So that's, yeah. that's tough. well, listen, I appreciate you coming on, um, taking time out of your day. It's usually, uh, I'm not usually up this early on a Saturday. It's kind of my, uh, sleeping a little longer day, but I'm glad that I got it. Oh, you should have told me. I, I said, I said, anytime I said, I'm up at 8am. I said, anytime from eight on. No, no, it's fine. I have a lot to do. It's it's, it's fine, but um, you'll I, you'll take a big nap. You know, maybe uh, get some shoveling done. I've been known, yeah, right. I've been known <laughs> to uh, Saturday naps are one of my favorite things. <laughs> um, sit on the couch and watch football or basketball, and the next thing I know, I'm out for three hours. But um, again, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, best of luck to you in terms of your negotiations or, or where you land and. And uh, I look forward to, as always, following your career and and, uh, wishing you the best. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks for joining us this week on the PA Football Story Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook or on our website, pafootballstory.podbean.com, where you can subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast platform or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating, a follow, a like, a share, or just simply tell a friend about the show.